0: Coming up, do the D-backs need to package their surplus of outfielders? Why bigger bases are going to be helpful for the D-backs in 2023? And who's fighting for a roster spot heading into next season for the rest of this year? Breaking it down on today's Locked on Diamondbacks podcast. You are Locked on Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome into the Locked On Dimebacks Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by betonline.net. Betonline as you covered this season with more props, odds and lines than ever before. Bet online where the game starts. I'm your host Miller Thomas. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer. So please go check out my website millerthomas 24 myportfolio.com. On um, there, you can see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. If you want to see more content by me, just follow me on Twitter at CreatorThomas24 for my personal account, or just look up Locked On Dimebacks on both Twitter and Instagram for the podcast handle. And of course, thank you for making Locked On Dimebacks your first listen. Every day, I would not be able to do this podcast without you, my loyal listeners, sharing, subscribing, reviewing, doing all that so I could do this podcast for you. Thank you. It's free and available on all platforms, so please continue to tell your friends. We're also on YouTube now, so if you want to see my ugly mug, go follow Locked on Diamondbacks on YouTube as well. But for today's show, I got a whole bunch I want to talk to you guys about today, and I first want to start here because the D-Backs are, of course, loaded in their outfield. The D-Backs have so much talent right now. I mean, you got guys like Alec Thomas. Yes, he's struggling this season, but he's definitely a guy that could win a platinum glove sometime in his career. He's still a guy that has incredible speed, still got good slap hitting skills, uh, slap hitting skills, good contact skills. Like he's still a talented outfielder. You got Dalton Varsho, who's a converted catcher now, a potential 20-20, maybe a potential 30-30 guy someday. Home runs, speed, he can do it all. He can also play great defense. Corbin Carroll, the toolsiest guy maybe all of Major League Baseball. Maybe the toolziest guy coming from the minor leagues. Power, speed, defense, arm, IQ. He can do it all. You got Jake McCarthy, a first-round pick from 2019 that no one really had on their radar entering this season. Breakout start, just incredible. Night after night at the plate. And then you also got Stone Garrett, the man who's probably the forgotten man of this group, but when you look at his numbers in the small sample size, only 14 games still. He's batting 372 with 1087 OPS, entering this first game against the San Diego Padres. The D-backs currently have five legit outfielders on their roster that you're like, how do I get these five guys into my lineup? It's tough. It doesn't make a lot of sense. And so that leads us to the question, will the D-backs eventually have to package their surplus of outfielders? And if so, who should they do it for? Because I think the D-Backs eventually will have to make a decision on who to keep when it comes to the Thomases, the the Stone Garrett's, the how do you want to utilize Dalton Varsho, the Jake McCarthy's. I think the D-Backs will have to make some very tough decisions on who to keep. And that's gonna be a huge pivot point once we get to those um answers for the D-backs because whoever they do decide to keep is going to be a huge pivot point for this D-backs franchise because if whoever they give up go on to have great success while the guys we keep struggle it's not going to look pretty for these D-backs fans or this D-backs organization or this D-backs front office I think as fans will be pretty hurt by it so we got to ask the question should the D-backs package some of their outfielders and I'm not saying they should even do this next season I'm not saying they should do it this off season. I'm just saying Will they eventually have to? I think the answer is yes, because right now I'm trying to just give as many opportunities I can to those five guys on the major league level. Yes, I'm definitely leaning Corbin Carroll and probably Dalton Varsho to get most of those opportunities, but I definitely want to get the Alec Thomas's, the Jake McCarthy's and the stone Garrett's into the lineup as much as possible. You could, Maybe platoon Varsha a little bit more, Carson Kelly, so you could get that fourth outfielder into the outfield like a Stone Garrett or a Jake McCarthy. And then those days, Varsho's behind the plate can also have won them DH. Even the days Varsho's not behind the plate, let's say you have Thomas, Cor- Corbin Carroll, and Dalton Varshaw as your three outfielders, you can still have Jake McCarthy or Stone Garrett as one of your DH people. So there's still ways to at least get four to five outfielders in the lineup almost every day but eventually I think you're gonna have to probably just settle on three maybe four of these guys but the D-backs do want to package maybe two of these outfielders and go out there to check out what's on the open market I have a few teams I think would be interested in trading for outfielders these are some teams that need some outfield help and also for the D-backs like our lineup is probably going to be good. We're going to have Drew Jones called up in a couple of years. That's just another outfielder for this D-backs team with Jordan Lawler potentially getting called up next season. Like the D-backs lineup is probably not the area we have to worry about. We've talked about it a lot on this podcast, just in terms of linear progression and internal development. This D-backs lineup should be good enough to be a lineup that competes for the postseason and good enough to be a playoff lineup. It's the rotation. It's the bullpen that we have question marks. After Zach Allen and Merrill Kelly, there's real question marks with the rotation and bullpen. I mean, there's way more question marks we know from the bullpen than the rotation. But if the D-backs were to package some of these outfielders, I feel like they would have to package them for a mid-rotation starter or a couple of really good relievers. And here are some teams that would maybe not desperately be in need of some outfielders, but... What's strongly consider it? How about the New York Yankees? How about the Tampa Bay Rays? The New York Mets and the San Diego Padres, I think are all good starting points to see whether a deal could be made. Because if you look at a team like the New York Mets, I think they have some really interesting pieces when it looks at when you look at their rotation because their rotation stacked by far the deepest rotation in baseball. You could argue maybe the Dodgers, but the D-backs want to trade like Alec Thomas or something like that, or a Stone Garrett or Jake McCarthy, a package of two of those three players, (coughs) excuse me, to the New York Mets. Maybe we could get back at Tyler McGill, whose numbers right now don't look good, but he started the first couple months of the season really strong, still only like 26 years old. Uh, David Peterson, still in his 20s, he's having a pretty solid year. Or even Tywan Walker, who's like 29 years old, former Arizona dieback, a player that the D-backs should have just tendered a contract to and kept for $7 million before he left in free agency and went on to become an all-star with the New York Mets. But guess what? I would happily bring him back. So any of those three for... One of these D-backs outfielders, I would definitely consider. I look at the Tampa Bay Rays. They got Drew Razman, a mid-20-year-old starting pitcher who's put up really solid numbers. You got Shane Baz. um, Hasn't really done much this season, but was really good as a rookie. You also got Jalen Beeks as a nice reliever. And you know Tampa Bay loves to produce arms year after year from that farm system. You just got to worry about when you trade with Tampa Bay. They kind of are like, I don't know. They're kind of like they're kind of like me in fantasy football because whenever I trade with someone in fantasy football, best believe I'm fleecing the other team. It's kind of like what uh, the Dodgers GM, like it feels like the Dodgers just fleece everybody. Like when you go back and look at that Max Scherzer deal, the fact that Trey Turner was a throw in that deal, a complete fleece. So I would worry about trading with the Rays because they usually pull one over a lot of other teams' heads. But A lot of their players are interesting and good pitchers, so I would be interested in making a deal with Tampa Bay. Just got to be cautious and keen and smart. The Padres, their outfield sucks. Trent Grisham, Diraksen, Profar, Will Myers, like Profar has probably been the best of those three. Uh, You got Soda out there now, but their outfield could use definitely more talent. So if we could get back like a Mackenzie Gore, a nice little young pitcher, even a Mike Clevenger, who's like 31 years old, but should be fresh considering considering he's been hurt the last couple of years, I wouldn't mind that either, and look, you always look in the farm system for these teams too, and then the Yankees, I really like a lot as well, because someone like Nestor Cortez, 27 years old, Frankie Montez, 29 years old, or they got really young relievers like Jonathan Lizaga and Clark Schmidt, like, I think those are four realistic teams that would be in need of some outfield help once we get to like I said, not this offseason, but maybe next year's trade deadline if you get enough of a sample size from the first half of the season where just like, all right, Jake McCarthy is still batting 320 after 50 games. Like, maybe this is the guy that we should keep over Alec Thomas, who can play great defense, but his bat hasn't really shown it yet. I don't think I'm doing it this offseason. I don't even think I'm doing it at next year's trade deadline, these deals. But maybe you see enough of a sample size next year where you're more comfortable making these deals. But I think eventually the D-backs will have to package some of these outfielders because they're only going to be calling up more outfielders in the future with guys like Drew Jones. So for the d backs if they could package a couple of these outfielders and get back a legit mid-rotation starter or a couple of really good back-end bullpen arms, I think that would be a deal that really helps out this D-backs team and pushes them even further into playoff contention. Now, If you want to bet on the D-backs making a deal to help them out for the playoffs in 2023, you need to head to betonline.net because it's your number one source for all your pro and college football betting needs and sports info this season. Find all the latest football league developments, game matchups, news, and podcasts, including live betting, esports, and scores. It's the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf, head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and actions. Bet online, where the game starts. Now, I want to get back into the podcast, and I want to discuss why bigger bases are going to be really helpful for the d 2023. We touched on this a little bit with Sully Baseball on Monday's podcast. Not this. Was it this past Monday? I think it was this past Monday. But baseball next season approved a couple of rules. They approved the pitch clock. They approved... Uh, One other rule that I can't remember off the top of my head, I could probably Google it real quick, but we're not even talking about that third rule. We're here to talk about, oh, banning the shift. I mean, I love the banning of the shift. I can't believe I forgot that rule. I am so freaking happy for the banning of the shift, but the rule I want to talk about actually is bigger bases because I think the idea of bigger bases is just kind of weird. Like Aesthetically, I don't think it would probably, I don't think you would really notice it on the TV, but just the idea of having bigger bases, like in my head I just visualize like... (laughs) runners taking three steps and then they're at the next base even though i know that's not going to be a realistic image but bigger bases are definitely going to be huge for the d-backs in 2023 because you've already seen the prowess that the d-backs have had on the bases this year just the fine the finale against the la dodgers jake mccarthy try to steal home in the ninth inning. And guess what? I like that move by Jake McCarthy because he was trying to steal the game. The Dodgers have smacked around the D-backs the whole season. They were in position to maybe get the sweep. We weren't gonna know what happens in extra innings at that point. But it was like, let's try to get the game right now. Jake McCarthy tried to catch the Dodgers sleeping. And just the the fact that Jake McCarthy attempted that, I like that because it showed aggression to try to steal the game against the Dodgers. But you're also keeping those pitchers and defensive players on their toes at all times when you got speed like the D-backs do right now if you're a defensive player you gotta always be mindful of who's on the bases you always gotta be wary because you know these players like Jake McCarthy and Josh Rojas they're trying to get big leads and you know they're trying to steal and so for bigger bases in 2023 that's going to be huge for this D-backs team this D-backs team has been phenomenal at stealing bases this year and creating chaos on the bases I think in the second half of the season big reason their offense has picked up so much is because guys like Jake McCarthy have started to really hit the ball well and then when he gets on base, you know he's creating havoc. He's creating big leads and he's going to steal as many bases as possible. Same with Josh Rojas. He's been since he's come back from injury, I think he's really helped out the offense as well. So, when I look at this D-backs team right now, they're like 12th in Major League Baseball in stolen bases. I thought they were going to be higher, the top 2 teams in major league baseball right now in stolen bases are the miami marlins and the texas rangers the marlins have four guys with double digit stolen bases but only one player with over 30 stolen bases so most of that production is coming from one guy i think their other three players have like around 12 stolen bases then the rangers have two guys over 20 stolen bases and then three other guys with over 10 so those two teams are the two highest and it's it's because they have four to five guys that have double-digit steals with one or two guys above 20. And so for the D backs I look at their roster, I'm like, I think we could definitely get into the top three and still in bases. And I think for this D backs team in 2023, I think they have to and should want to be that aggressive, be that aggressive on the base path and try to steal that many bases next season because I look at this roster perdomo's got eight right now i don't know how much playing time he's gonna get next season but josh rojas in 108 games has 19 stolen bases so if he plays 145 next year can i expect 23 stolen bases someone like dalton varsho 131 games only 10 stolen bases i feel like he should be a 20 stolen base kind of guy jake mccarthy in only 83 games 18 stolen bases that's insane, so maybe if he plays 140 games, maybe that's like 35 stolen bases, plus you got Alec Thomas, he's only at four stolen bases this year, Alec Thomas should probably be a guy that's around 15 stolen bases, so just right there, that's four dudes that should probably be around 15 stolen bases, I'm not a big Nick Ahmed guy, so if Geraldo Perdomo's the starting shortstop for the all of next season, then that could be another 12 stolen bases for this D-backs team. And then all of a sudden you're around 140 stolen bases on the season. That could be a huge number for this D-backs team. It could be a number that swings their run scoring percentages and puts them in enough positions to, you know, in enough run scoring positions to bring guys home or just add more total runs to their scorecard because this D-backs team Offense has been average this year when you look at runs scored, but stolen bases have been above average in the National League. And I think not only just stolen bases, but the D-backs are great at taking extra bases. They're one of the league leaders. And when a guy hits a single, maybe rounding first to try to get that into a double, just taking an extra base when a guy hits a single and there's someone already on first, going from first to third. The D-backs are one of the best teams in baseball at taking their extra base. So bigger bases in 2023, is going to create more havoc on the bases for the D-backs, going to create more run scoring opportunities, and just going to create more entertainment as well, right? Baseball is supposed to be fun. Sports is supposed to be fun. Stolen bases are fun because as a pitcher, you either got to keep turning your head to check in on them, or you are actually watching the guy steal, and then the catcher either has to make a phenomenal throw, and I think it's fun when a catcher throws on the money and the guy gets out, or the catcher Maybe he throws over the second baseman's head. Now we got chaos ensuing, and that's even more fun. So I'm pro bigger stolen bases because I think the D-backs are going to be one of the biggest beneficiaries to that in 2023. Now, I want to talk a little bit about guys for the rest of this season that have to play well to prove that they should be on this team next year. And the first guy i want to start with, these are guys basically fighting for their jobs, fighting for roster spots next year. The first guy I want to talk about, his roster spot's pretty locked, but his role is not locked in, and that is Masten Bumgarner because I'm a Lakers fan, and I feel like Masten Bumgarner has basically become Russell Westbrook, a big contract guy who... Can't really tell him to go to the bench because of the pedigree he has, like Russell Westbrook going to be a future Hall of Famer, former MVP, superstar player, but at this point of his career, he's not a very good player, and he should probably be coming off the bench for the Lakers. massive Bumgarner, World Series MVP, one of the clutchest playoff performers of all time, historic pitcher, workhorse, but as of right now, he's not a very good pitcher anymore, and he probably should be long reliever or just a guy that's coming out the bullpen, but... That's probably not going to happen for Madison Bumgarner or for the D-backs convincing Madison Bumgarner to do that. And it's really sad because in the first half, Madison Bumgarner was solid. 3-8-3 in the first half, ERA. Second half, 6-8-4 ERA for Mad Bum. He has not been effective so I think he's fighting for a job not for a job not for a roster spot let me take that back he's fighting for his role next season because if he continues to struggle the rest of this year uh, it's going to be tough to justify and Bumgarner being a starter next year and the last thing I want to see is opening day with Mad Bum as a starter it better be Zach Allen as your opening day start next year and it better be Merrill Kelly as the number two The next guy I want to talk about is Ian Kendi, who I believe has a mutual option with the D-backs for next season, and Ian Kendi is someone who has had spurts of looking really good this year, but in the second half, since we've tried to make him a closer, Ian Kendi just hasn't been that guy, and it's disappointing to see because it's not like the D-backs have a lot of great options, and this is someone who, of course, is a little bit older, late 30s, but he's someone that was expected to really be a stabilizing force in the back end of the bullpen. And in the first half, 3-5 ERA, he looked like a stabilizing force. He at least looked solid and serviceable. But in the second half of the season, 5-1-9 ERA for Ian Kennedy. So he is someone that is definitely fighting for his roster spot next year. And I'm not sure if that option is getting picked up because – yeah, I might think about picking that option for Ian Kennedy, but if I pick up that Ian Kennedy option and I'm bringing him back next season, then I have to know he's my fifth, sixth, or seventh option out the bullpen. He can't be my third option like he is right now. He has to be in the he has to be the second half of my bullpen, guys, of my go-tos. He can't be one of the first three, four, five guys that I think about who I'm bringing in the arm from the bullpen in a high-leverage moment. No, Ian Kennedy, no more high-leverage moments for you next season because I cannot trust you. Another player who I think is not exactly fighting for his roster spot next season um, because he's going to be a free agent. This is fighting for whether the D-backs should bring him back or not. And maybe he should get a little pay bump too because I'm talking about Zach Davies. And Davies has just been... Um, I mean, his ERA right now is 4.06, but I think he's been way better than that 4.06 ERA. He's basically been slightly better than his career numbers. Like, his career ERA is 4.13. I think he's been better than what his ERA of 4.06 has suggested this year. Not a big strikeout artist. Only 6.9 strikeouts per nine innings. 3.2 walks per nine innings as well. So you would hopefully like him to lessen the walks a little bit. 20 home runs allowed this season. So can he walk some guys? Yes. Will he give up a home run or two? Yes. But Zach Davies is also just serviceable. He hasn't gone out there and just blown up. He doesn't really give you a lot of bad, blown up starts like that. Like Zach Davies, for the most part, is going to give you like five innings of three earned run ball. Like he, he's been solid all year. In the second half of the season, I feel like he's been a little bit better as well. I mean, let me see. The ERA suggests he's actually been better in the first half 394 ERA in the first half, 429 ERA in the second half. But just from the eye test, I think he's been better than a a four-year-way pitcher this season. He's not a guy that's going to be a workhorse. He's not going to be a guy that's going to pitch 200 innings, and you're going to put the ball in his hand until the eighth inning, and you're going to ride with Zach Davies. No, you might pull him after 80 pitches and five innings and 3 year runs, but what he's going to do is just give you competitive outings. He's going to eat innings for you, and he's going to be a solid back-end rotation starter. for So for Zach Davies... I wouldn't mind bringing him back next season. I'm pro Zach Davies. I'm way more pro Zach Davies than a Madison Bumgarner. I did not think I was going to say that at the beginning of the season. Maybe I would have preferred Dave. Maybe I would have eventually come to the conclusion that Davies is better than Madison Bumgarner, but I am surprised that I came to the conclusion that I don't think Davies is a bad pitcher because before the season, I did not have high expectations for Davies. I did not think he was going to be that good of a guy, but he, is, he has been serviceable. He has been solid this year. I'm not surprised he's been better than and Bumgarner. I'm just surprised he's been better than my expectations for him this year. Another guy I want to talk about, Geraldo Perdomo, because there's a lot of discussion about whether this guy should be the shortstop next season. We got Nick Ahmed coming back off of injury. And you guys already know I'm leaning way more toward Perdomo than Nick Ahmed because Ahmed off injury, is he going to be better offensively? I doubt it. I doubt he's going to continue to improve defensively like Nick Ahmed is not like some spring chicken out there. So Gerardo Perdomo offensively just doesn't do a lot, below 200 average, 552 OPS. So the D-backs want to go out there and look for a shortstop via trade or the free agent market this offseason. I would not be mad about it. Perdomo, I think, can still be a solid platoon guy, be a guy off the bench that could steal a base, a pinch runner kind of dude, a guy that could still be a backup shortstop because not like he's old. is only 22 years old, so it's not a surprise that he hasn't exactly figured it out yet. He's also a switch hitter, so we know Torrey Lavello is going to love that versatility in his lineup, but right now, For Geraldo Perdomo, he needs to really have, I mean, I don't think, I don't know if he could do anything to end the season to secure his job and role for next year. But if Perdomo ends the year on a 400 plus batting average tear with a 900 plus OPS and he starts rattling off some home runs, then we can have a different discussion about Geraldo Perdomo. But right now, I'm probably leaning toward maybe going in a different direction next season if we can acquire somebody that's solid via free agency or trade but if we're just deciding between Perdomo and Nick Ahmed next year I'm riding with Perdomo once again how about Kevin Ginkle this is someone that I don't know he's still someone that I think is interesting not a big Kevin Ginkgo, not big Kevin Ginkle guy anymore I was a big Kevin Ginkle guy back in 2019 where he had a 148 year ray and 24 innings pitch a 10.4 strikeouts per nine that year but his strikeouts per nine every single season since 2019 has gone down. It's only 8.4 strikeouts per nine this year, but the good thing is his walks per nine is at least back to what it was in 2019, back to his rookie year, and Ginko as a whole has been not terrible this year. I don't think he's been great, but his ERA, 4.22, and his FIP is basically the same as it was in 2019. FIP in 2019, 3.09, while in 2022, it's 3.11, so Kevin Ginkle might kind of be getting back to form where he was in 2019. If Kevin Ginkle could look like the guy who he was in 2019, then I think this should be a back-end reliever for the D-backs. I'm not saying future, closer. I'm not saying closer of the future or anything like that, but should he be maybe a seventh-inning guy, a guy that gets some mid-leverage situations next year? Like I'm not on the Kevin Ginkle bandwagon right now, but am I dipping my toes in the Kevin Ginkle's waters right now? Do I think maybe he could turn a corner? We'll see with Kevin Ginkle. Let's get him another season with Brent Strom. It's not like the D-backs have a ton of arms right now. Kevin Ginkle overall is still pretty young on the season. So we'll see if anything can happen. The most interesting thing with Kevin Ginkle is he sucks at home. eight six four 6 4 ERA at home while 1-3-8 ERA on the road. So maybe just a guy that you let pitch on the road. Like, I don't know how many teams do that where you just have guys that pitch on the road and just guys that pitch at home. But Kevin is a guy that looks like a superstar on the road and then terrible and a bench scrub at home then guess what just pitch him on the road and who knows that 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 could be a situation that actually ends up being beneficial for the D-backs so Kevin can is someone that I'm keeping a close eye on for the rest of this year then the last guy who I have a close eye on for the rest of this year because I wouldn't be too mad if the D-backs went in a different direction this offseason or decide to trade him for a different kind of reliever and that is Caleb Smith who listen he's a guy that can start some games he's a guy that can be out the bullpen as well, he can finish some games, but I'm just not a big Caleb Smith guy, not a big strikeout artist, 8.6 strikeouts per nine, and just has no feel of command, a dude walks so many people, 5.3 walks per nine, it feels like he gives up a million hits, he likes to give up home runs as well, back in 2019, led the American League, or excuse me, the National League in home runs allowed, just not a big Caleb Smith guy, if the rest of this season he can get his ERA under four somehow, then we can reevaluate in the offseason, but He's someone that I just haven't seen a ton from him during his D-backs tenure. Maybe he could go on some hot tear to end the year. But if that's not the case, then I would not be upset if the D-backs went in a different direction this offseason. Now, that's it for this edition of the Locked on Dimebacks podcast. Thank you to everyone who tuned into today's podcast. It's Friday, so go back and catch up on any Dimebacks podcast you might have missed earlier in the week. We had Sully Baseball on Monday and Tuesday, so go check out those podcasts. Come back next week for more Dimebacks news, coverage, and insight. Thank you for making Locked on Dimebacks your first listen every day. Make your second listen of the day. Locked on MLB with my pal Sully Baseball, walking baseball encyclopedia because he's old, so he's a great baseball historian. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy. Deuce it.